0: Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And now we're going to move over to 2.15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it.
1: Thank you, Stephanie. Do you love your job? Remember, we're like this church, so... Be honest. Do you love your job? I, 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 uh, I tend to every now and then greet my friend Brad Schistler on Sundays when he shows up with the, just the good news. Hey, it's Sunday, but Monday's coming. So be excited. And sometimes, if we're honest, like we struggle a little bit. There's there's that attitude that creeps into us that we're just working for the weekend, and then it rains, and so we're just angry, right? So. And then if you're old enough to remember when country music was good, uh, it's been a while. And you remember Johnny Paycheck, that anthem really, take this job and shove it. Like that was was the battle cry of a generation and still is sometimes. Like work can be difficult, work can be very, very difficult. There's a book by a guy named Mark Buchanan called The Rest of God and it's really about the Sabbath and we're going to, i probably refer to that book a little bit more next week. But one of the things he does is he talks about how we need to appreciate work in order to really appreciate rest. And we appreciate this thing that God gave us called work so that we can appreciate the times that we can rest from it. And he gave a story in the book that I thought, I thought was interesting, maybe helpful to some of you. He says, the next time you have a really, really horrible day at, at, the, at the office, the next time your job is just man, it's just beating you up, and you're completely at the end. You're like, you, I, man, I, I'm going to go be a greeter at Walmart, whatever. I'll do anything besides this, right? The next time you have that really bad day, he gives you some really good advice. And Well, I shouldn't say good advice. It's advice. And here's what he says to do. On your way home, stop by your favorite pharmacy. So CVS or Walgreens, they might be close to each other. Just look around. They might be right across the street. So find your favorite pharmacy. Go in and get a Get a thermometer. Go to the thermometer section and get a Q-tip rectal thermometer. I, just, I was just thinking about the fact this is going to be on the podcast. Okay, so <laughs> make sure you get a Q-tip brand rectal thermometer and then buy that and go home. You had a bad day at work. Go, like, get in your house. Maybe shut the blinds. Turn the lights out. Get something comfortable on. Get, climb in bed unwrap that rectal thermometer and set it really gently on your nightstand table. And then I want you to, he says, he wants to pick up the, the wrapper on it. And you'll notice on the wrapper, the Q-tip rectal thermometer, it says that every one of our thermometers is personally tested. <laughs> he said, and then just thank God that you don't work in quality control at the Q-tip company. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, I've been waiting a long time for that amen. So that might help some of you, all right? Some of you are crazy enough to do that and try that. That might help you appreciate your job a little bit better, but let me give you a better option. Let, give, let me give all of us a better option today, and that is to look at what the Bible says about work and to embrace this biblical truth and let this form our biblical Christian worldview so that we, we, we see the world and we see our work the way God intended for us to see it. And so we're in this series we started Genesis just a couple of weeks ago, and we're doing the first kind of a mini-series in the book of Genesis about the creation story. And so we looked at crea- God creating everything, creating the universe, the world, everything. And last week, he created man in his own image. He created us in the image of God. And this week, we're looking at this idea that God created work. But specifically, here's what we're saying, that God created us to work. That that is the main point of today's creation story message, that God created us to work. Work, But here's the problem, right? The problem is that work sometimes is very difficult. That, that, that the story kind of, we identify with it because some days work is just really, really hard. And so we, we kind of get mixed up in about this a little bit and we think about how difficult it is and how much sometimes it's just a drudgery to do this. And we need to remember that here's what happened in the biblical story, that God created work And then sin entered the world. And it's really important for us to get that. God created us to work. From the very beginning, you heard Stephanie read this passage that God created man in his own image. In verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. He gave them a job to do, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds in the heavens. And then we skip to 2.15 because in chapter two, Moses gives us a different account of the creation story and he kind of gives us some more details of it. In 2.15, he says, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So, we were given a job, and work is difficult because of sin. So, the, the sin happens, fall, the fall of Adam and Eve is going to happen in a few weeks for us as we walk through Genesis. So it's going to happen in chapter three. And one of the consequences of sin. Is that work became difficult. Work, work became something that wears us out because our bodies wear out now because of sin. Sin brought all these consequences into the world. And one of them is that our work is going to be kind of, we're going to be against some things. The natural world's kind of against us when we work. But the problem with us sometimes is that we, we, we forget that and we start thinking that work in and of itself is a consequence of the fall, that everything was perfect, Adam and Eve were perfect, they had this garden paradise, and they didn't have to do anything except have this fellowship with God and eat the different fruit, uh, except for that one tree. They just kinda were just chilling out, relaxing, and then sin happened and now they gotta work. That's not a biblical worldview. It's not true. It's not the story of creation. This all happens in chapter one. God made us in his image and gave us this job to do. And then he put the man in the garden and gave him the work of keeping it before the fall, before the consequences of sin rolled out. Sin makes our jobs difficult, but God, because of Jesus, can redeem that so that we can see it with the right perspective, that God created us to work. And so, if we understand that, we can embrace our jobs. It may not always be easy. It may be difficult at times. It may be really, really hard at times. It may not be something that you really enjoy all the time. But if you understand this biblical worldview, you can, you can embrace this truth that God created us to work and that we ought to work. Uh, Pastor Tim Keller, author that I like, he says that we're made to work and we're only happy if we do work. Like we're, we're so creative with this purpose in mind that God gave us a responsibility, that God gave us a job to do that maybe we're only truly fulfilled, maybe we're only truly finding our purpose, maybe we're only going to really be satisfied and happy when we are working, when we're producing something, when we're being creative, when we're, when we're doing things that are getting those kinds of results, that maybe we should consider that, that One of the things we should do as parents is give our kids jobs because they're created to work. We should give them chores. We should give them responsibility so that they can learn the value that God has given on this idea of work, doing something with our hands that maybe we should give our kids that. Kids, if you don't have chores at your house, if you don't have any responsibility, you don't have any jobs to do, here's an assignment for you. Sometime this afternoon, I want you to ask your parents to give you some chores, you might want to get them to sit down first. <laughs> but like, this is a biblical worldview of work is to say that God created us to work and we're supposed to be involved in that. Now, let me just go ahead and say this, that, that doesn't mean you have to have a job in order to fulfill that, right? There's work that's, be, that's done in a bunch of different ways. Stay at home moms, um, work, work harder than anybody. Let's just be honest. It 's an amazing thing with all they can accomplish in that time, and then you guys that are moms that have jobs in the workplace and still run the household we don't, even, we don't have a category for that right like that's just crazy so there's, there's all kinds of ways that we can embrace this idea of work and God created us to work and so this passage that we 're looking at this is this Verse 28 of chapter 1 has been called in many circles the cultural mandate. This is the cultural mandate. This is the work. This is the mission that God has called mankind, humans, to. And so if you break down that cultural mandate and the types of work, you start to see a really clear picture of what God has called us to. The first phrase is, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's what he says. God says to them, be fruitful multiply, fill the earth. What that means is that we're called to develop the social world. We're called to build families. We're called to build churches, schools, cities, governments, laws, all those kinds of things. We're called to create cultures and build civilizations. That that's part of the task that God has called us to, to be fruitful, multiply, build families, build churches, build schools, build cities, establish governments and laws. And then the second part of this cultural mandate is to subdue the earth, or another word for subdue is to cultivate the earth. And that basically talks about harnessing the natural world, that we're called to harness the natural world. So what does that look like? It means that we plant crops, it means means that we raise agriculture, it means that we build bridges, we design computers, we compose music, we do all these different kinds of things to harness the natural world, and so God has given us, people, a task, a job to do, a work to do, and it's all-encompassing. It's, it's, it fulfills everything. It's this cultural mandate. Develop the social world and harness the natural world. That's what he put Adam and Eve in the garden to do. And then they, they, they sin and they rebe- rebelled against God and all these consequent came that made it difficult, but the task hasn't changed. The task may be more difficult, but the assignment is still the same, and God's going to redeem and restore all of it one day. God created us to work, and that work is to develop the social world, harness the natural world. And so if you get this truth, if you get this understanding, if you get this, what, what I think is great about us walking through Genesis is it kind of is building on this, building us into this Christian biblical worldview. It's really defining that for us. And so when you get this truth, and that becomes a part of your worldview, how you see the world, then it, then it fleshes out in some concepts. It fleshes out in some practical ways. It fleshes out in some ways that we think about the world that now will show up in how we embrace this thing called work. And so let me give you a few of those. If God created us to work and he's given us this job of developing the social world and harnessing the natural world, then I want to say this, then all work is sacred. All work is sacred. Now, let me help us understand that. In modern thought, really for hundreds of years, there's this idea that has crept in, that's formed a false worldview, because it's not a biblical worldview, and that is that there's this idea that there's a separation, a divide between what's sacred and what's secular. It's called the sacred-secular divide. And that idea comes from modern thought. It comes from, uh, it doesn't come from the Bible. It's not a biblical concept to divide the sacred and the secular. It's, it's completely outside of that. But it basically separates these things that are pertaining to God, that are religious things, that are... Uh, those kinds of activities that we do in church and worship and things like that are separate from all the other normal things that we do, all the regular stuff that we do uh, outside of that realm of our lives. So it's compartmentalizing our lives with this huge divide between what's sacred and what's secular. And it's it's not a biblical concept. It's not a biblical mindset. But here's the problem. Unless we pursue and develop a christian worldview a a christian way of viewing the world then these other worldviews creep into us all the time they they constantly try to take hold of us in our minds and then they affect how we live and how we view and how we shape view the world like that's that's part of the problem with these other worldviews if you don't have a christian worldview you'll adapt some other worldview. And so this sacred-secular split that basically said there are some things that are sacred and everything else is less than, everything else is not as important, everything else is just secular or worldly, and it's just common, instead of seeing that God has made everything and it's all His, and so all the work based on this cultural mandate, developing the social world and harnessing the natural world is a sacred activity because God is in that activity, that's the job that He gave all of us to do, then we will creep into this mindset and you say, well, okay, I don't, I don't have that mindset. I understand that God created the world. I have this very clear picture in my head that it's not a, secular, a sacred thing and a secular thing. It's not a divide between. It's all one thing. But the question is, doesn't that creep in a little bit? Do you see some jobs as more sacred than others? Do you see the job of a missionary? Or even the job of a pastor, as crazy as that is, for me to say that, you see that this job that I do as a pastor or that missionaries do, that that's more sacred or more holy than being an accountant, or being a teacher, or being being a, an orthodontist like is it's so easy for us to kind of think of those things and put them in these different categories and ignoring what God has said about work, ignoring the cultural mandate that we're supposed to be developing the social world, harnessing the natural world, that all these things are sacred activities. And it's easy for us to creep into that. It's easy for us to give into that other worldview and to see those different things. What about places? Do you see places as being more sacred than other places? Like when you gather in a church building, and I know it's kind of weird because like, we, don't, we don't really have to face that all the time because we gather in a gymnasium at the YMCA and we turn this into a place where we can worship. And so, but when, one day, like Lord willing, He gives us a building, right? We may have to remind ourselves of this all the time. It's easy kind of right now to go, yeah, the church is not a building. It's a people. The church is not a building. But when you have a building, you start thinking maybe it's kind of a building. And then you start thinking it's a sacred, holy place and it's different than any other place. So, do you see a church building? or a cemetery, or a seminary, and sometimes you can get those confused, but like, do you see those as sacred places, and then other places like a, like a gymnasium, or a stadium, or maybe your house is different, maybe your house you would classify as secular, or maybe my house, we would, maybe it's Scott Hooper's house is secular, like, because, because Scott lives there, not because Tamra, we like Tamara. She balances it out, really, like, do you see that? Like, is a candle. Just, just think about it. Is a candle that's lit in a house of worship more sacred than a candle lit in your living room? It's so easy to creep into this mindset. It's so easy to adapt this other worldview that there's sacred and then there's secular. So we talk about music, right? No, I don't listen to us. I only listen to Christian music. Sacred-secular divide? I mean, maybe, maybe the truth is that there's not secular music and Christian music. I mean, the content is one thing, right? But maybe it's not really that clear of a divide. Maybe that's not the picture that we should have. Maybe it's just good music and Florida Georgia Line. Maybe it's that, right? Or good music and Nickelback. I don't know. Maybe it's just that. That there's, there's not this sacred-secular Like, have you seen that? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Oh, yeah, that's a good coffee house. It's a Christian coffee house. Really? Like, what what does that even mean? Like, what the Bible teaches us is that it's all God's. And so we have to embrace that worldview and let it inform all the ways that we see the world and all the ways that we think about the world. Here's here's a verse for you to remind you of this. Psalm 24, verses one through two. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, or everything in it, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. So here's what he said. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That's all God's. Why? Because he created it. He founded on the seas and he established upon the rivers. So our view of creation, our understanding that God created the world then has to inform how we see our interaction with the world so that when we are developing the social world and when we are harnessing the natural world and when we are doing our regular jobs those jobs are all of a sudden sacred because this is the task that God has called us to now let me let me say this and let's kind of get this out of the way if the job that you have is evil and by that i mean it's sinful like it's it's, it's doing sinful things, things that are against God's standard and God's law, then that's not what we're talking about. That's not the sacred activity that we're talking about. I'm just talking about the fact that there's no job that we give ourselves to that's less important than any other job because it's all God's. It's all his creation. There's a, there's a book called Total Truth and if you're going to read one book like to go deeper in this idea of this Christian worldview and this idea of sacred secular split, that would be the one book. It's by a lady named Nancy Piercy. It's, it's, it's a really big book. It's kind of a, a theological, intellectual book, but it's so good and so practical. And here's one of the things she said about this idea Our vocation is not something we do for God, which would put the burden on us to perform and achieve. Instead, it's a way we participate in God's work. And I love this next line. For God himself is engaged not only in the work of salvation, but also in the work of preserving and maintaining his creation. So when we're working and doing whatever it is that God has called us to do, God has put in front of us to do, we're joining in God's work. Why? Because God's not just focused on spiritual things. God's not just focused on salvation. God is preserving and maintaining and in the process of restoring his creation back to the perfect state. And when we're working in that, we're joining in that work with God. That God is, uh, his work is all-encompassing for all of creation. And so when we give our hands to work, our work is sacred. We're joining in what God is doing. Our work is sacred, and that that leads to this next thought, that our work is calling. Our work is a calling that God has placed on our lives. If you understand that God created us to work and that his job for us is to do these things, develop the social world and harness the natural world, then you have to recognize that God has called you to do what you are doing. It may not always feel like that at the time. You, you may need to understand that for this season right now, this may not be the perfect job for you. It may not be the job that fits all of your gifts. It may not even be the job that you want to have right now. And you may be actively looking and hoping and praying for another job to open up. But in that season, if you understand the Bible, you will embrace the fact that God has called you in this season to this job right here, right now. He's provided it for you. Man, how many times have you heard this idea that missionaries or pastors have this special calling of God on their lives? Now, it's true to some extent, right? Like God calls people, I think specifically sometimes, to ministry-type jobs. But that doesn't make that calling more significant than a calling to do what you do on a daily basis if you're called to be a teacher then then say that if you if your job's a teacher then start viewing it that way all work is calling cuz all work is sacred god has ordained all of it and so i'm going to embrace that if you're if you work with middle school then you should know already that you're called to that cuz you have to be called right to work with middle school students like to understand this concept, to understand that all of our work is calling changes how you view it, changes how we talk about it. Like I, I get to speak at youth camps uh, pretty much every summer, and I've done that before. I've stood up in front of youth camps and said, okay, now we're going to just see if God's calling anyone to ministry or calls, c- God's calling anyone to uh, missions or whatever. And we've had like invitations where we saw that. And I'm, I'm kind of considering like maybe God's calling today to the workplace. Maybe God's calling you guys, some of you, to be politicians and to be uh, accountants and to be teachers. And to be doctors and to be nurses and to be lawyers and all these, maybe that's just as much of a calling. Whatever we give our hands to is a calling that God has placed on our lives. And if you begin to see that, it will begin to change how you view that. It'll begin to change how you approach that. It'll begin to change how you view Monday morning. If you really understand that all work that we give ourselves to is a calling. Nancy Piercy, again, the book Total Truth. Our vocation and professional work is not a second class activity. Something we do just to put food on the table. It's the high calling for which we were originally created. The way we serve a creator God is by being creative with the talents and gifts he has given us. What you do right now, whatever it is that you do and you call your job, occupation, vocation, stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, whatever it is, it's the high calling for which you were created that's how you have to view it. That's how you have to understand the biblical version of this that teaches us that everything that we do is sacred and everything we do is calling. The, the word "vocation" really literally comes from the root word "to call," or to, called by the voice, vocation. So everything that we do is calling. Students, where are you at? Your calling right now is to be a student. To go to school and to embrace that as your calling and to see this as God has called me to go and be the best student I can possibly be and to pay attention and to do my homework and to study for tests and all those things. God has called you to be a student in this season of your life. And I know you love that, but hey, you don't have to like it for it to be true. You don't. Whatever that place is that you are serving right now, you see it as the calling of God. All work is calling. All work is sacred. All work is calling. And that kind of leads us to this, kinda, almost this ultimate concept here that all work is worship. If you understand that everything we do is sacred because God's in it and He's ordaining it, and that He calls us to all the different things, for the, t- the gifts and the talents that He's given us, then all work becomes an act of worship. And you guys know this. This is not an unfamiliar verse to you. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Paul says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So that whatever it is that you're giving yourselves to, whether it's um, helping people with their taxes or straightening people's teeth or, or whatever it is that you're called to or changing diapers, whatever it is that you're called to do, that you do all for the glory of God. And sometimes what I think we mean by that or what I think we think that means is that we go to work and we say, well, I'm gonna I'm I'm be a person of integrity. I'm not gonna cheat, I'm not gonna steal, I'm not gonna like take home office supplies. I'm gonna do the right thing at work. And here's what I would say, I think that's like the lowest common denominator. That ought to be the very base level that we, by which we approach work. We ought to approach work and be honest in our jobs. But I think if you really understand that work is worship, that everything should be done to the glory of God, that it should bring Him glory, it should magnify Him, it should make Him look great, should exalt Him, then what it really ought to mean is that we ought to be the best at what we do. We ought to be striving in our jobs and in our work to be the absolute best version of that that we can be. We ought to show up on time, We we ought to stay until the very end to stay all the works done, we ought to not quit early. We, we ought to be the best version of that. We ought to be the first to volunteer to bring something to somebody else, to get donuts for the team or whatever it is, to run an errand. We ought to be the first. We ought to see our jobs the way Jesus would see our jobs. We ought to have the attitude of Jesus as we approach our coworkers and our work environment. And whatever environment that is, we ought to approach that with the attitude of Jesus. And we ought to be there to serve. You remember Jesus, like he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There was no job beneath him. The Son of God walked the earth and washed the stinky, dirty feet of his disciples. Jesus was not afraid of work, he was not afraid of hard work, he was not afraid of a dirty job. He's our ultimate example of that. What he did for us him laying down his life for us is the greatest work ever accomplished because he accomplished something in that work by him going to the cross. He accomplished something for us that we could never do on our own. He made a way back to God for us because of his death on that cross, because of his suffering that he endured on that cross. He made a way back to God for us where we could not make a way. We couldn't find that way. And so we ought to approach our jobs as an act of worship. We ought to approach our jobs as a way to glorify God. You ought to be the best doctor you could possibly be, the best nurse you could possibly be, the best mom, the best dad that you could possibly be, because all work is worship. You guys know that um, we gave you uh, back at Christmas. If you're a member of church, we gave you a gift. We. We gave you a gift of the Right Now Media resource. And Right Now Media, if you haven't signed up for that yet, you need to sign up. You can see Virginia and get, some, get the information for that. But if you haven't signed up, it just gives you all kinds of resources, all kinds of videos, all kinds of teaching resources, all kinds of Bible studies, all kinds of stuff. It's, it's almost unlimited how much you can spend the time doing that. And so one of the videos that I found right now, one of their big passions is this idea that work is worship, work is worship, work is an act of worship, and it's a mission And so I want you to see this video real quick from Right Now Media about this idea that work is worship.
0: place to chase dreams, desires, and success. At work, they fight fulfillment. We often forget to connect our faith to our work. We don't consider the reasons God may have set our job. We don't think about the purpose and meaning it could bring to our work. We simply focus on how it makes us feel. But what if we saw our work as an opportunity to worship? As Christians, we are called to serve Christ with our lives. For a few, that means working as a pastor, a youth minister, or a missionary. Others serve the church by teaching children, singing in the choir. But when Sunday is over, most of us return to our jobs outside the church. For us, our mission is in the marketplace. We may not be the kind of missionary who moves to the far regions of Africa, but around the conference table, around the water cooler, around the cubicle, we have an opportunity to worship the God who created us. He gave us skill. He gave us passion. He gave us work. When we do our jobs with excellence and integrity and diligence, it's an act of worship. We are displaying God's past and the an anomaly of the world around us. We are earning the right to do it. We don't see a divide between Sunday and Monday, between the sacred and the secular. We've been invited into parts of the world that a pastor or a traditional missionary will never see. We have conversations with people who would never set foot in the church. Whether we love or dread our work, we choose to turn the focus away from ourselves and toward the mission that God has for us. Church is not the only place we worship, and Sundays are not the only days on our calendars that we well. meet. Every day, a mission for God brings us great joy. Like the heroes before us, we can be modern-day Noahs, Josephs, and Peters who are called to the purpose. God has designed us. He created us to work and to worship. For us, work.
1: So when you understand this biblical worldview about God, that God created us to work, it means that all work is worship. It means it's an act, it's, it's, it's our way of serving God, it's our way of glorifying God, by being the best that we can possibly be. And then this leads to what he said in the video, this leads to this idea that all work is mission. That God has uh, gifted you and called you certain talents and certain abilities and provided different jobs and different avenues of work, different responsibilities, so that he can kind of send out his army into the mission field. And he's mobilizing you in that job. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul says it this way, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. God making an appeal to a lost world to be reconciled to God, to have a relationship with God that only comes through Jesus Christ. The only hope for the whole world is Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. That's the way that we can be reconciled and made right with God. And now God is making that appeal to the world through us, his ambassadors. An ambassador, you know, politically is someone that's Assigned like he's assigned to live in another country to represent his country and his the political ideals and philosophies and government in that other country. But God says we are his ambassadors and he's placed us in these positions. He's placed us in these areas of influence. He's placed us in these jobs and these circles and these social networks and all these different things. God has placed us in those positions so that we could be his ambassadors, so we can make his appeal, so we can share the light of the gospel with people. And so what does that mean? Like it means that first and foremost that you go be the best teacher that you can be. You go be the best accountant that you can be. You go be the best whatever job that you have. You go be the best at that you can possibly be. And then here's what happens. You earn the right to speak for God in those places and you do it. You don't take your light and hide it under a bowl or hide it under your desk. You let it shine. You speak the truth. You realize there's no divide between the sacred and the secular, and so you bring your faith into the workplace with you because of that's who you are, and because of the employee that you are, because of the job that you do, because of the excellence with which you give attention to your kids and your family, whatever it is that you're giving to, then you are earning the right to speak, and that's why we need more people who recognize that they're called to business, and we need more people that recognize they're called to politics. We need more Christ followers that are called into the world field of science and the field of research and the field. Of all these fields so they can go and earn the right to speak the truth for God in those arenas all work is mission so do the very best that you can and then share the gospel relationally with the people that God has put you around whatever that looks like do it with all of your heart do it all for the glory of God and recognize that all work is a mission it's an opportunity for you to represent Christ in everything There's an article called Breaking Down the Sacred-Secular Divide. It's just like a blog post article by a guy named Mike Bayer who is kind of an expert on this idea of business as mission. And I love this quote because he says this about this whole idea that we've been talking about. He says, what I've seen as people begin to grasp this truth, this worldview that God has called them to business or you can insert job, whatever it is that you're doing that God's called them to business and that his calling is both high and holy with none greater or lesser, that's a tremendous freedom and abandon and a confidence to throw themselves into glorifying and worshiping God in and through their call. The church becomes stronger. The kingdom expands. The participants in God's work and all the spheres increase in number and impact. Man, that's a that's a really cool vision of the end goal of this is to embrace a biblical concept, biblical worldview that God created us to work and He's given us this cultural mandate that we should develop the social world, we should harness the natural world. There's no task that's less important in God's kingdom. It's all sacred sacred to him. It's it's all a calling. Our work becomes a worship, an act of worship that we bring glory to God, and our work is a mission, giving us opportunities to connect with people that may never come into a church worship service and share the gospel with them. And when we understand this calling on our lives, when we understand it's that important, we understand that what he's called us to is the high calling of God, the church becomes stronger, the kingdom expands. The participants in God's work in all the spheres increase in number and impact. That is our goal. That is my prayer for us as a people that we would embrace this worldview and it would inform how we see our work. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the truth from your word. God, help us to embrace it. Help us to really embrace this truth that you created us to work Work isn't easy. Because of sin in the world, work is difficult at times. And it wears us out. But it's it's a God-given gift. And help us to embrace that so that it will inform how we see the things that you've called us to do. As wide as the spectrum is here, that every single thing that you've put in front of us, that you've called us to do, is a sacred task because you are the creator. And it's the calling that you've given us. And it's an act of worship. And it's a mission. God, help us to bring you glory by how we approach the calling that you've put on our lives. In the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.